Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Hello and welcome to our new short format servings of consciously prepared brain food designed to improve your mental fitness. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen, your host. For more than 12 years, we've been proudly and consistently crafting harvesting happiness and sharing it with you. Each week, we spotlight diverse thinkers and doers who are contemporary trendsetters and change agents devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. We invite you to listen up and change the way you think about human happiness. Our award-winning content is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Alrighty then, let's dive in. This episode offers psychosocial education designed to inspire and motivate our listeners. The information provided does not constitute a therapeutic relationship nor a substitute for professional mental health care. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911, go to your nearest emergency room, or for listeners in the United States, text 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining me on today's show, where you will learn about neurodynamics, our brains, and digital technology. My guest today is Dr. Carl D. Marcy. He is a leader in the fields of social and consumer neuroscience. He's also chief medical officer at Kava Capital and was formerly the chief neuroscientist at the Nielsen Company. Dr. Marcy is also on the faculty of Harvard Medical School and is a psychiatrist at Mass General Hospital. He is the author of Rewired, Protecting Your Brain in the Digital Age, and that's what we're talking about today. Dr. Marcy, thanks for joining me today. Lisa, it's my pleasure. Well, I am glad you're in the house because this is a subject that for the past several years, I've been after Dear Andrea, our producer, like we need more people to come and talk about this, how technology and social media impacts our brain. Yeah, it's a big topic. And I think it's one that, like many things with the pandemic, became accelerated and more in our consciousness, particularly as we were all spending more time in front of screens at work, school, and otherwise, I think there's more awareness of it than, say, pre-pandemic, although I think there was even a fair amount then. Yeah. You know, we have survived the pandemic, and yet social media is stronger than ever. And especially TikTok, I'm noticing with the young adults that I am surrounded by, my kids, TikTok is, it's hard for these kids to pull away from it. Yeah, it it really is amazing. And and I think TikTok, in a way, exemplifies a lot of what I was trying to communicate in the book. And a phenomenon emerged during the pandemic that I was not able to write about, but I think really offers some of the best confirmation of this notion that social media really can rewire our brains. Do you want to hear about it? I Yes, I'm waiting with bated breath. I definitely want to hear about it. So uh, what happened was uh, I had a reporter from the Wall Street Journal reach out, and she was asking about the TikTok brain. And we were having a conversation like this, and she mentioned something called TikTok ticks. I was like, oh, what's that? And she said, oh, well, it's this phenomenon. These kids are developing tick disorders on TikTok. I was like, oh, I've got to look into this. And I was doing research on it, preparing for the interview. And it's really an amazing story. So 
in North America, there are a series of what are called movement disorder clinics. These are clinics that specialize in movement disorders, of which tics or Tourette's is a classic example. And they're linked together uh, by computers and they share information. And Tourette's syndrome or tic disorder classically is young males, you know, ages sort of three to five, and they develop tics when they're young. And each tic is unique to the child. There really isn't a common theme across it. Well, what happened during the pandemic is these movement disorder clinics started to see a phenomenon of tics developing later on, teenagers, females, not males, and they had very similar tics. Wow. And the tics, yeah, exactly. Wow. So that's wow number one. <laughs> wow, wow number two is the tics looked like facial expressions and other things that highly popular TikTok videos were displaying. They were literally mirroring what's on the screen. And my brother and I were talking about this and he said, oh, Claire has that. Claire's his daughter, my, my, my goddaughter. I was like, what? I said, yep, she, she can't suppress her, her lip smacking that she developed during the pandemic. So this is a pandemic phenomenon developed by TikTok, which when, when you have these short snackable dopamine hits, let's just call it what it is, yeah. that reward the brain, we are endowed with these mirror neurons, which allow us to reflect and have empathy and understand another person's brain state. We can't help but mirror what's on the screen. And it's, it's leading to this kind of thing. So I thought that was really a, a powerful statement for how these things can rewire the brain. Let's talk a little bit about our brains being wired for, for pleasure and why these devices are so instantly gratifying to us. Yeah. So, you know, we've evolved over a million years as a species. We've been sort of more social as homo sapiens and beat out in Neanderthals, uh, you know, about 50, 60,000 years ago. Uh, but it's only recently in the last 100, 200 years that we've had all this technology, massive explosion. And one of the drivers of, of that phenomenon is really uh, longevity. And what I mean by that is our brains have more time on the planet in a fully developed state. So humans are very unique in that at birth, our brains as uh, unique among mammals, our brains are only 10% developed. That means 90% of brain development occurs outside of the womb. This is why, I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you know what it's like to have small kids. They, you have to watch them 24 seven. They're very fragile. And society says they have to be on the order of 18 years old before they go off in the world on their own, right? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe, yeah, maybe, exactly, maybe. Well, we, we, we now know that uh, the brain doesn't fully mature until the mid-20s, which probably explains a lot of what we see among you know, young people when, when the world gets very stressful. But the idea here is, is that part of that two-decade-plus brain maturation involves the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex sits behind our forehead and our eye sockets. It is the most highly evolved part of the brain. And I use the metaphor of a conductor in our brain symphony, you know, pulling in different parts of the brain as needed. And that takes a very long time to develop, and it's the last thing to, to fully mature. And the prefrontal cortex is the difference between uh, reaction and reflection, impulse and insight, attention and distraction. And 
in a world where we are developing and exposed too early to things that are overly stimulating or rewarding, the reward centers and emotion centers get hijacked before the prefrontal cortex can fully develop and our brains get out of balance. And that leads to a lot of consequences. I can imagine. I mean, I, I mean, all of our addictive tendencies that are um, sort of ingrained in reckless youth. <laughs> that yeah, explains if you it. Just think of it. If you think of it like this kind of a seesaw, right? You know, you want some balance between the reward and emotion centers of the brain and the more rational thinking impulse control centers of the brain. And if that gets out of out of whack, uh, you can imagine you have more impulsivity, you have more attentional problems. Um, and now we know from a neuroscience perspective that imbalance also contributes to mood disorders, depression, anxiety, uh, as well as uh, substance use and tragically suicide. This is big. This is big and something that we all need to pay attention to. And it, 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 it does explain why we can't put the things down, right? Because you're getting like an, an IV of dopamine by having this thing yeah. in your hand all day. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I go out of my way to make a distinction between habits and addiction. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Because we've all changed our habits around you know, the these supercomputer in our pocket. Right? There's no question. Um, so we've all rewired our brain to some degree. And lots of people use the technology, and it's a fabulous technology uh, that allows us to be more productive and stay more connected and get information and, and buy things and navigate uh, where we're going, all, all kinds of wonderful things. I'm not against the technology. Um, and I think what we need to do as a society is, number one, continue to raise awareness. Number two, you know, we, I do think uh, we're going to need some regulation. Uh, and AI is finally, I think, spurring uh, some action among Congress. Um, and, and then number three, we really need to identify who is at most risk. Because I don't believe everyone's addicted to everything, because that means everything and nothing at all. So we got to identify who's going to be at the most risk and really focus on those people uh, and help them navigate critical periods of development. How do you differentiate between who is more at risk or is, are you basically saying that a developing brain is more at risk than one that is already developed in terms of self-regulation uh, with, with the technology? Correct. It's both, right? We, we know that a more fully developed brain is less likely to succumb to all, all kinds of point one. So you have to you have to really watch young people in this regard. And I this is where I think adverse childhood events c can also correlate with uh, a predisposition to like if you learn when you're young that you can self-soothe by, you know, playing on TikTok all day and you don't have to learn other coping skills, that places you at risk for abuse of not only the devices, but other things. Correct. And there's two different points there. And let, let's separate them out because I want yes. your, your audience to be clear. I think on the one hand, we know that adverse life events contribute to all kinds of psychopathology. And whether that's growing up in poverty, being in an abusive household, um, you know, having trauma, losing a family member to uh, you know, illness, the list goes on and on. Those, I believe, are all risk factors for brain development, and we know that now. 
So anything that impacts adversely brain development is going to put people at risk. So that's point number one. But point number two, I love the example you just gave. You could take a perfectly well-adjusted child with zero adverse life events and make the mistake of exposing them too soon for too long to some of these technologies that allow them to soothe themselves. They learn to use media as a mood regulator. And the challenge with that is that that's how you begin to get hooked on these things. And when you go out in the world and you don't have that phone and you're, you're challenged for the first time in a relationship, at school, in any number of ways, you can't regulate yourself in a way you need to. And, and that's the child who's at zero risk uh, un, until they're overexposed. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. It's it's uh, it's and not or Correct. in this case. Correct. Which means yeah. we're really all at some risk, but some of us are at greater risk than others. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation with Dr. Carl Marcy. We're talking about Rewired, protecting your brain in the digital age. To learn more, please go to rewiredthebook.com. And on Twitter, you can find Dr. Marcy at CM Biometrics and on LinkedIn. Go over to Carl D. Marcy, MD. Here comes that break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Let's take a brief break. But before we do, let me share with you about my latest, very useful retail therapy obsession, Skims Fits Everybody Underwear Collection. And I must say that all the hype is 500% true. This underwear is so stretchy, soft, and comfortable and non-binding. It feels like it just melts on my body. In fact, I forget I'm even wearing it. Skims is the solution-oriented brand creating the next generation of underwear, loungewear, and shapewear for everybody. Right now, I'm wearing the Fits Everybody Naked Bikini, and I have to say I'm a convert. Thanks to the raw cut edges that effortlessly hug my curves, there are no visible panty lines, no seams, no camel toes, just pure comfort and joy. I'm in love with skims and never going back to ordinary undergarments. The Fits Everybody collection of underwear are lightweight, form-fitting essentials. The buttery soft fabric molds to your body and stretches to twice its size. It's offered in a range of cuts and fits from underwear and bras to dresses, t-shirts, and bodysuits. Available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X and offered in nine core colorways and limited edition seasonal colors. Believe the hype. This collection has over 90,000 five-star reviews for a reason. Skims fits everybody and more best-selling essentials are available now at skims.com. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75, all at skims.com. P.S. Do us a little favor. After you place your Skims order, please take an extra minute to complete the survey by selecting podcast from How Did You Hear About Us? And then click Harvesting Happiness in the drop-down menu that follows. Now let's take that pause. We'll be right back. Each day we have the intellectual freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable, regardless of external circumstance. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, urge them to seek professional support because good psychological health is vital in achieving a satisfying life. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for psychosocial educational resources to boost emotional and social intelligence. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness? Sharing is caring. Pay it forward by spreading the word to your tribe through social media. Find us at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook and me at Lisa Kamen on Twitter. 
And we're back. But before we return to the conversation, let's talk about the importance of small self-care rituals and our happiness. It's been proven that small, consistent actions generate a positive impact in our lives, like taking a few minutes to hit the pause button and breathe or connecting with a friend. And sometimes those small actions pay off in a big way. Way offers a complete hair care solution that promotes fuller looking, healthier feeling, and happier hair for everyone. Fine, medium, or thick hair? Way has got you covered. For the past several months, I've made Way an integral part of my self-care routine, and I'm seeing and feeling a noticeable difference in the quality of my once flat, limp, and dull fine hair. I'm a big fan of Way's hair, body, and fragrance products. My go-tos are the hair shampoo and conditioner for fine hair, plus the volume spray. They make my hair full and bouncy, not to mention all Way products smell sensually delicious. Another thing I appreciate about Way is their eco-friendly 32-ounce refill pouches of their most popular shampoos and conditioners. Way helps to improve overall hair health with beauty-boosting ingredients that support thicker, shinier, beautiful-looking tresses. Way is an easy and effective go-to hair and scalp health regime because good hair care demands more than just styling. Get on your way to healthier hair one day at a time, with shampoos and conditioners that are just your type. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code HH for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code HH. Now let's get back to it. And we're back continuing the conversation with my guest today, Dr. Carl D. Marcy. We're talking about neurodynamics, our brains and digital technology. Let's get back to it. Okay, Carl, let's talk about the antidote or the counterbalance to this digital distraction that we are all obsessed with. And that, by that, I mean those in-person relationships that we have in some cases forgotten about or have been unable to connect in that way during the pandemic. And it created a, a relationship famine of connectivity. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an important topic. So we, we spoke earlier about how vulnerable the brain is at birth and how adult caregivers need to be actively involved in the development of a child early on and really throughout the first two, sometimes three decades uh, of life. That's a very, <laughs> very long time, right? So, I like how you slipped that in <laughs> two or three decades because I don't know how old your kids are, but mine are in that the middle of that second decade, and I'm still there. <laughs> yeah, well, my, mine are just finishing their first decade, um, and you know, I, I, I worry about what's ahead, but hopefully we have some tools and education to, to help us. But you know, let's think about it now from the perspective of brain development, and how for eons uh, we have relied on face-to-face, intimate, reciprocal relationships. And what we know about intimate, face-to-face, reciprocal relationships between humans of any age, but in particular, uh, an adult caregiver and an early child, um, is that they're powerful from an emotion regulation and brain development perspective. Full stop. There is nothing a young child needs more uh, than the interaction from someone with a more developed brain so that they can learn and mirror and and do all kinds of things. So now enter a world where adults in the U.S. are consuming on average over 80 hours of media a week. 
and the TV's wow. on in the background all the time, and you're on your phone half the time. Well, you know, Junior's just sort of flopping around, and then you realize, wow, you know, Junior actually likes screens too, and you think your child is a genius because at you know eight months of age they can tap a screen and make sense of it. No, your child's not a genius. Steve Jobs is a genius because he made a device that an eight-month-old can use. Right. And, 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 and his kids aren't using it. <laughs> well, because he knew. He knew, right? Yeah. And, and that's the sad part. But the reality is we need to prioritize, and this is one of the recommendations in the book, what I refer to and, and social psychologists refer to as strong social bonds. And that is you know, a, a, the network of people in your inner circle, you know, somewhere between five and, and 50 you know, real people that you can keep track of their lives and they can keep track of yours. Um, and you need to prioritize those bonds. I have a colleague at Massachusetts General Hospital who just wrote a book called The Good Life. And you may want to consider having him on your show. His name is Bob Wallier. And I talk about... I have his book. Yeah. I want him. He's terrific. He's some, they, someone sent me his book and I've told the producer, let's get him. We haven't gotten oh. him yet. Tell oh, yeah. Bob to come on the show. <laughs> easy, easy introduction. But Bob's a great guy. Cool. And he is the third director of the Harvard Longitudinal Study. It's one of the longest running studies, uh, and he'll come on and tell you all about it. But the punchline of his book and of this research uh, is at the end of life, the best predictor of happiness and fulfillment is the number and quality of relationships. Full stop. Nothing even comes close. Amen. Amen. Yep. Right. So, yeah. so my, when my kid tells me, you know, uh, he, he's, he's focused on becoming a, a YouTube influencer and making all this money, and I say, you know, Cam, money doesn't buy happiness. He goes, no, dad, you're right. It doesn't buy happiness. It buys awesome. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no. They're brainwashing you already. So, so it's really, uh, look, these are large companies who are highly invested in getting everybody to use this device and these technologies uh, for as long as possible. Um, and we just need to be- To hijack your brain. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what that's, they're in the business of doing. <laughs> that's exactly what they're in the business of doing, to sell advertising. Yes. But and let's talk about oxytocin, another really, really important feel-good hormone, and how the difference between maybe a little tiny hit that you might get from watching puppy dogs and kitties on a TikTok video versus a hug from somebody that you really care about and cares about you. Right. Night, night and day. I mean, you're talking about 10x, maybe 100x increase <laughs> in, no, in that experience. Um, and, and it's not just oxytocin. It's also... Uh, you know, adrenaline. It's also how your heart rate adjusts itself and literally begins to regulate and go into synchrony. Uh, you know, I was a, an empathy researcher and the first director of social neuroscience uh, at Mass General years ago. And my research and got what got me into all this stuff was actually monitoring patients and clinicians during psychotherapy. And I found what I refer to these moments of meaning, these moments of synchrony, when literally you could not tell the difference between the physiology of the two people because they were in sync. And we have gone on to later show that brain waves do the same thing. And people who uh, love each other and sleep in the same bed do the same thing. We regulate ourselves to each other. It's impossible to do with social media. Yeah. And it proves the point of how much we really do need each other for our well-being. For our well-being, for our regulation, self-regulation, for brain development, for immune response, for, for health, both physical, mental, and social. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, there's this great statistic I quote in the book um, that comes from the loneliness researcher. 
And, you know, people now uh, categorize loneliness as independent of depression. It's actually a different thing. You know, so people who are socially isolated and, and crave attention uh, but can't get it for whatever reason, uh, that being lonely is the equivalent from a physical health perspective of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I read that. I actually read that statistic, which is incredible. It's toxic. It's, Loneliness is, is, is toxic. It's deadly. But this is the, my point about it affecting every system in the, in the brain and the body. Yeah. So we sit here and we, we, we look at statistics from the CDC and other places and, and, and wonder why we're seeing not only double digits, in some cases, high double digit increases in anxiety, depression, substance use, unwanted sexual advances, all kinds of horrible things, attention deficit disorder uh, in adolescence. And, and we wonder why. I just, you know, the more I did research on this, the more I realized I, I don't think it's that hard a question. Um, it's, it's how we're spending our time. And the medicine, the medicine is actually pretty simple. It's age old. It, it's simple, <laughs> but, but not easy, right? I mean, cause yeah. again, you're competing with powerful forces. Uh, and, and when everybody's doing it, I mean, look, you know, I am pretty strict at home about what my kids are exposed to, but I can't control what their friends are exposed to. So when my six year old, you know, says something that is really shouldn't be coming out of a 16 year old's mouth, I have to wonder where she heard it. And it's because her friends are on these things unsupervised, you know, too long. We are nearly out of time and I want to touch, I want to give a little snack or a little taste of another interview that we're going to do about AI technology and how it relates to what we're talking about. What does research say about the fix and how do we prepare for this next wave of AI technology? And it can only be a little tiny reveal. Yeah, <laughs> we're okay. have to do more. Well, I'll, I'll just, I'll tease like this. Um, you know, I'm talking to you on uh, an iPhone. You know, it's got more computational power than the computers that put, you know, man on the moon and is an amazing, amazing device. The new generation of AI, these large language models, will make this technology look like a black and white TV in just a few years. Oof. Scary, thrilling, exciting, you know, all of the above. You got it. Fasten your seatbelts and, you know, hopefully we'll have, have some, we'll have a, a playbook, a rule book, so we, we don't implode. That would, that would be my hope. Yeah, and I, I think there's already a call to arms and, and people are getting organized and having serious conversations about this technology that we probably should have been having uh, about the, the supercomputer in our pocket. We euphemistically call a smartphone. But, you know, I think we have an opportunity to thread a needle, but we have to be intentional about it. And that's all we're going to say about it for now. And you're, you're going to have to tune in again, everybody listening, because we're going to talk about this more and, and where we're going with technology and uh, neurodynamics. And you and I kind of talked about that. That really is a thing. I didn't just make it up. It's my new favorite word. <laughs> yeah, the next book. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Carl, thanks for being with me. And I look forward to you returning to carry on the conversation about Rewired Protecting Your Brain in the Digital Age. To learn more, please go to rewiredthebook.com, on Twitter at CM Biometrics, and on LinkedIn, you can find Dr. Carl D. Marcy, MD, over there. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen on behalf of my guest, Dr. Carl D. Marcy, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Please go out and rock your day and remember to be kind to one another. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes from our mental muscle toning libraries at HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com, Toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about my global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced by me, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Andrea Mangeli, Robin Boyd, Andrea Daly, and the awesome team at Podfly Productions, including Eric Begay, Kimberly Beck, and Alec Gus, in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.